0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 23rd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Take a bow, everyone. 2022 may have been the worst year for corporate handouts in American history. That from John Mozina, president of the Center for Economic Accountability. He says big pandemic spending and a few other factors have led state governments to deal with a flood of cash to government coffers by giving it away to corporate friends in the form of beautifully wrapped piles of subsidies. We spoke in October. The federal government, you may have heard, spent a huge amount of money in 2020 and a huge amount of money in 2021, well above trend. Um, is that Does that have anything to do with explaining
1: corporate subsidies and, and why they're so high? Absolutely. I mean, I've heard it straight from state legislators who basically said, you know, in the past, we were able to sort of make claims of of poverty, we are able to say, well, we just don't have the money to do this. We can't afford this. They're so like, we, we can't do the, we can't afford this argument anymore, or at least not right now, because there's just too much money sloshing around in the budget, and we're just looking for places to spend it. So the floodgates have opened. And then you tack on to that, the fact that there's uh, a whole lot of people up for reelection. Um, we've known for some time that These deals spike before elections, that states where governors are running for re-election are twice as likely to see a large 20 percent or more jump in subsidy spending than those where they're not. Um, And add on to that the sort of weird fill of the fact that it's a first post-census redistricting. So there's a lot of legislators at the state level who are all of a sudden dealing with entirely or largely or somewhat new sets of constituents they didn't had before. And they had, they have to come up with ways of all of a sudden making these people like them very quickly. And the easiest way to do that is to, to uh, buy themselves a spot at a uh, groundbreaking or ribbon coating ceremony with, with the taxpayers own money. Uh, so where in
0: it's the state level, where have we seen some of the biggest, most egregious, uh, least defensible corporate (laughs) subsidies
1: well unfortunately this is not a multi-hour podcast so i can't go into all of the egregious examples i will say that that at um uh, and i use the word in its literal sense uh there's been an exponential growth this year in subsidy deals of a billion dollars or more uh the previous record was three this is all adjusted for inflation previous record was three set in 2010 tied last year This year we have nine and counting, uh, and there's potential for even more. Um, The uh, the only state with two multi-billion-dollar deals, so I guess if you have to say one, is is unfortunately the state we are sitting in now, of uh, Georgia, which did a uh, announced a 1.8 billion or so to uh, Hyundai for an electric vehicle plant, as well as uh, 1.5 for a different electric vehicle manufacturer, Rivian. So uh, they are apparently funding all sides in the the EV market. Uh, Ohio has the largest so far this year with the uh, $2.1 billion or so to Intel. And all these numbers, I always have to say or so or roughly because the numbers in this world are both so big as well as so fuzzy that it's really hard to actually pin them down because some of it's state, some of it's local, some of it gets into guaranteed lower electric rates. It's very difficult to be really precise on that. Uh, West Virginia to Newcore the steelmaker, North Carolina, which has now set its largest economic deal in history record three years running with three different deals. The first one, hovers since fallen apart. Uh, Georgia, Kansas, Michigan, Maryland, uh, New York. um, It is bipartisan. It is in red states. It is in blue states. It is in urban states, rural states. Um, The only consistency is really that uh, overwhelmingly these tend to be states where governors are running for re-election in something of a contested campaign.
0: Governors like ribbon cuttings. They like job announcements. Um, What evidence is there, and we've talked about this numerous times, but what evidence is there that they That any of these subsidies pay off,
1: Uh, little to none. The in fact, if there's if there's anything that economists, uh, a famously fractious bunch, agree on is is that this stuff just doesn't work. The the uh, I know the term consensus gets thrown a lot around a lot, uh, but there really truly is a, a consensus among academics not just in think tank land but it just you know universities around the country some of the biggest name universities there are that just this stuff doesn't work that um you know at least three out of four times um subsidies don't change what companies we're going to do anyways um and that means that you know in a famous uh, piece in the um a journal of the American Planning Association. Professors from the University of Iowa estimated that ninety percent of the money of the stuff is just flat wasted. Um, and a good example of like of, of seeing that in practice is uh, what last year we uh, released the award of the worst economic development deal of the year, and it was uh, North Carolina's subsidy of Apple, who were putting a. Largely AI focused R&D center somewhere. And they said, oh, we are competing. North Carolina said, well, we have to do a huge subsidy because we're competing with Ohio. Um, and maybe my my Michigan native is showing here, but I'm unaware of like, roving bands of unemployed AI researchers in Ohio. Um, all of the different industry analyses or whatever is that all of these people are in different places. They aren't, those places are not Ohio. They are, however, in the research triangle, which is where uh, North Carolina subsidizes. So all the people that they were going to hire were there. That's what's happening now is companies are going to where the workers are, not the other way around. And also, you just have to look at the dollars. Um, Apple Computer last year had revenues of more than a billion dollars a day. And um, North Carolina's massive $834 million subsidy is a lot of money, but it's less than a day's worth of revenues for Apple. Spread out over the next 30 years. That's just not going to Tim Cook or whomever makes the final decision on this stuff is not making that decision of where do we put this big research facility that's going to you know, be super important for our company moving forward based on uh, days worth of revenue spread out over three decades. Now, there's someone within the company who got a gold star on their performance report for negotiating that subsidy, but did it actually change where that company was located? No, of course it did. There's no way. And that happens over and over and over again. And that's the reality of this stuff, is that they don't exist to create jobs. They exist to make voters believe that politicians are responsible for creating jobs, which is why we see them not when the economy is good or bad, but where we are in the electoral calendar. Where we are on the electoral calendar uh, what
0: what time of year or uh, what time of you know an election cycle do we see these announcements and can you can you predict is there a season for someone like you, John, to look into to say, well, I got to be looking at those papers because there's going to be a big job announcement in every state in the next uh, couple of
1: weeks well I think it's worth um, it's it's far enough in advance that the uh, that you have time to do the ceremonies and that people have sort of time to to factor that into their voting choices but not so close that that you risk it getting stepped on um, a good example is there's a uh, a consultants group um, called site selection group they're actually involved in part part of their business involves actually negotiating these subsidies for their clients and they have a, um, they, they make an effort to track how many subsidy deals and how much those deals are for based, based on um, public announcements. And in terms of time of year, they found that um, 2021 as a whole was up in total deal, aggregate deal cost uh, almost 100%, 94.8% over the previous year. They then found that the first quarter of this year, Um, was up 833% in total deal cost over the first quarter of last year. The second quarter was only up, thankfully, 132% over the second quarter of last year. So, at least from the statistics that we can see here, it certainly implies that the, you know, January, February, March of a big, important, uh, sort of scary, because there's a lot of cranky voters out there election year, seems to kind of be the sweet spot for uh, for governors to be announcing these things. Uh, what about expectations going forward? Because if com- companies
0: are uh, getting a billion dollars, or many hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies to do something they quite likely would have done anyway. Um, What does that do in terms of like voters' expectations becoming sort of anesthetized against these very large chunks of money just flowing directly to private entities from the state?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's really, I mean, it's dangerous enough that we're having a really bad, historically bad year. Um, the real danger is that everything in history implies that um, they're going to try to make this the new normal, that everything only ever ratchets up. It doesn't ratchet down. If Intel's getting 2.1 billion Ohio, the next chip maker, funded in part by the Federal Chips Act, which has got a whole bunch of uh, chip makers looking for places to put factories, is going to say, well, we want 2.5 2.5 million or we're going to, you know, the state west nowhere next door or whatever that, that this is going to constantly just ratchet up further and further and further. And so when we went from, you know, the best estimate is that the total aggregate price tag of this stuff before COVID was about $100 billion a year, all state and local deals and any form and TIF districts and all the economic stuff all combined together. And that was bad enough. That was enough. The example I use is that's enough money to fund the, at the time, the 11 smallest state budgets combined. So that's still real money. And then, as I said, 2021 in terms of deal volume was up 95% over 2020. And now we're at the 830 a quarter, you know, 137 a quarter level that we're going to be looking at, you know, in a couple of years, possibly a doubling or tripling or more of the cost that this stuff imposes on state and local budgets. And it's already a level where, you know, for instance, New York City reported before COVID more in corporate tax abatements than it spent that year to run the New York Fire Department and Department of Corrections combined. States run, you know, the cost of like multiple state agencies, um, you know, cities, my, My hometown of Detroit, the Just one uh, buying one piece of land for an auto plant expansion costs more that year than they spent to run the entire Detroit Health Department. Like these are real budget decisions that are being forced by these things. And we're going to just be talking about even more state agencies we could have paid for, even more government things, even more burdens on other taxpayers that are now going to need to be imposed to pay for these things because, you know, a few politically connected companies got a special deal. So, uh, you, you know, you've detailed this, many other uh, guests
0: on the Cater Daily Podcast have detailed this, that is, these are uh, sexy in a way, that is, politicians can enhance their incumbency prospects by uh, making these announcements. Lawmakers are often more than happy and, and get wined and dined to uh, sign off on these kinds of deals. And part of your job is to make those deals look less sexy. Uh, to call attention to the waste and the fact that these things aren't actually delivering any of the benefits that uh, are promised. But how do, what the flip side of that seems like trying to make more sexy, low, steady tax rates, infrastructure, uh, government bodies that will work with companies that have made the decision to locate in uh, a particular place sewage water the rates the cost of electricity that sort of thing the the labor force the housing for your future workforce when you make the move making that kind of stuff more sexy actually seems like a bigger challenge
1: yeah absolutely i mean you you you, to to do as one often does on the the cato podcast and quote saul alinsky um you know the price of a successful attack is a viable alternative you know if not subsidies then what? I hear that all the time from state legislators and staffers and city council members and all those sorts of folks. Um, And that's the problem is that the the answer is largely the sort of non-sexy blocking and tackling good government. I mean, we know what companies are actually looking for in their site selection, uh, decisions because the site selection industry has done a whole bunch of its own research on that, uh, area development magazine, which is one of the, the, the sort of two main publications for the site selection, economic development industry has been serving corporate site selectors for 36 years on an annual basis of what factors go into their decisions. I mean, this is not, you know, you know, hard stuff to figure out, uh, it's largely workforce availability and cost like you know it used to be that you built factoring people came from around the country to work there now you take your business and you locate it wherever the workers that you're going to need are it's the the old model of of sort of economic migration has been flipped on its head where it used to be workers who migrate now it's businesses that migrate um but uh you know in general one of the things i say to to, to lawmakers and others is uh, to try to simplify it is is The more easy and painless and cheap you can make it to build something in your community, the more people are going to want to build things there. Like the less you can get in people's way, the more you can have. You know, we know from that research that I was talking about that broad corporate tax rate matters more than tax incentives, tax abatements. Uh, we know energy cost has increased uh, in saliency uh, site selectors uh, just in the past few years. Environmental regulations went from sort of 16th or thereabouts a couple just like five years ago to top 10. Today, uh, labor, um, sort of like the, the sort of institutional political power of labor, including whether it is a right-to-work state, has, has been, you know, a, a key issue. Uh, transportation quality. Transportation cost has become a, a much bigger issue recently with the sort of companies renewed focus on their supply chains, and that's something that, is, that has uh, become a, an issue there. And then access to things like raw materials and and customers and all sorts of, I mean, there's there's dozens of factors. We know what they are, and I've, I've when I've spoken to the legislators, I've sort of put the list up on the wall or in front of them and said, you know, here are the things that you have levers within your role to impact. Like there's some of the stuff you can't do much about, or if you try to do it, it's like a workforce quality. You're not going to change that in anything less than multiple years at best, probably more like decades, but you can impact energy costs. You can impact, you know, uh, cost of, of uh, transporting goods and services that's gas taxes involved in that whether you have uh, toll roads and the like the um, the reality is is that that's hard it's not sexy it's nowhere near as, as, as like obviously politically valuable and like all of you know the good folks are trying to do the right thing but they're also, frankly, they're often hamstrung by the fact that, that by and large, voters think this stuff works. The state Policy Network earlier the year did polling that found that 50%, 57% of voters agree with the concept that subsidies from state and local governments are valuable because they create jobs and bring prosperity to the community. As long as you've got that sort of generic belief that the economic development agencies, and their allies are out there promoting every day... There's going to be that direct political incentive for politicians to capitalize that, and they will have to fight an uphill battle um to the they're like, "I hate this stuff, but how do I make the argument to my constituents that we shouldn't be doing this? They think it creates jobs. Like I don't have time or effort to like you know start reading academic research at them. What do we do? And frankly, the answer usually is it's like, well, it's it's too expensive. We could be buying a lot of stuff you care about more with this money and so far that seems to be the argument that that works best just making the hey we could be paying for you know we could put air conditioning in rikers island if we just like decrease the the amount of corporate subsidies just a little bit or we could we could have you know funded the detroit health department in the year before covid a bit better if we hadn't you know bought that one piece of land for that automaker that sort of thing seems to be the kind of argument that that um, actually does work now it's city by city state by state discussion by discussion but that's where it has to go.
0: John Mozina is president of the Center for Economic Accountability. We spoke earlier this year. It's that time of year when I ask you, yes, you, to show your support for this podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute with a gift. You can visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started. And thank you.